It's Thursday morning. It's 7 a.m. It's Roadmap to Heaven right here on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright. So excited to be with you this morning, as I am every morning. But today, you know, yesterday we left the show fired up, and I got to tell you, I'm still fired up today. I am still fired up today. But you know what? We can offer that just as we offer our intentions to God, just as we offer our sorrows to God, our weariness to God. Uh, We can offer our joy to the Lord. We can offer being fired up to the Lord and put it in service of the kingdom. So let's do that right now. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, as I said, I'm excited to be with you today. Today, today, we're going back to school. I know, I know, you're saying, Adam, it's still July. We, we should not be talking about going back to school. No, it's just, it's continuing ed. We're going to our continuing ed workshop. You ever have to do those for your work, professional development, continuing ed? Well, today, it's continuing ed for being Catholic. We're going to be talking with Father Wade Menezes, and uh, I guarantee you it's going to be a full conversation, an insightful conversation. We're going to learn some things today, and uh, so so buckle up. This is one of those days, I'm telling you right now, don't forget that we have the show on a podcast, because anytime we have Father Wade on, well, you know, you're going to be grateful for that. I guarantee you. Um, also on the show today, we're going to keep talking with Doug Barry about uh, praying the rosary, and today we're going to talk about some of the the physical and spiritual benefits of it. You know, that's one of my favorite things about prayer. You know, first and foremost, why do we pray? Why do we offer worship to God with Sunday Mass? Well, we say it right there in the Mass because it is right and just. That's why we do it. Um, it's why we pray. It's why we pray the Rosary. It's it's just that we should offer our prayers to the Lord, and it is fitting. It is right that we should go through the Blessed Mother with those prayers. She herself said so. Her son. Is so close to her. I mean, we, we've gone into all those reasons. I, I, like I said, I'm a little fired up this morning. Um, but when we pray, this is one of my favorite things. God, God doesn't just sit there and say, "All right, thanks for the prayers. We're good now." You know, He says, "Wow, thank you." And now I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn around, and because you came to me earnestly with an authentic, honest, open heart to offer me prayers, to offer me praise, I'm gonna pour out some grace on you, right? Isn't that a beautiful thing? Uh, I had a priest once say it to me this way. God is never outdone in generosity. You know, God gives us what? He gives us the earth. We go back to the creation story. He gives us the wheat of the field, the grapes of the vine. And we say, all right, Lord, we're going to give an offering back to you. We've taken the wheat and we've turned it into bread. We've taken the grapes and we've turned it into wine. And because we're here to worship you today at the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, we are going to give, give you an offering of bread and an offering of wine that we have made with the gifts of See what we've been able to do, Lord, with the gifts you've given us? And, and the priest said, and God looks at us and says, wow, that is wonderful. But I'm not going to be outdone in generosity. So I'm going to take those gifts. You know, First I gave you wheat and grapes. You, you turned them into bread and wine and gave them back to me. I'm going to take that bread and that wine, and I'm going to give you something even more amazing. I'm going to give you my body, blood, soul, and divinity right here, right now, in the Holy Eucharist, in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. 
I mean, I don't know about you, but that's generosity. So, I mean, all of that said, and not to steal Doug Berry's thunder because he's going to get a lot more into it, logically follows that when we pray the rosary, you know, we're going we're gonna to receive some graces as well, both spiritually and physically. What are we talking about? Well, you got to stay tuned for that one. Um, another reason I'm fired up today, and you know, I want to I want to make sure we have plenty of time for Father Wade today because we always have you know pretty long conversations with Father Wade, which I love, but they're long, so we got to give make sure we get there in time. I just want to tell you, last night I had the opportunity to get together with two focused missionaries, and uh, we were meeting about you know something going on in their lives, which was a, you know a real happy thing. Um, but then afterwards, you know, we finished, we finished talking about what we needed to talk about. And we just ended up sitting there talking over a, a bowl of hummus and a plate of pita. And it was fantastic to be with folks whose hearts are geared towards evangelization, to be with those whose, uh, you know, they're made for mission, right? And you can just tell they've got that zeal that if our Lord said, you know what, go to the college campus and take nothing with you but a walking stick and a pair of sandals, they'd be like, all right, Lord, I'm going. Walking stick, sandals, check, leaving everything else behind. Um, they've just got that love for our Lord and, the, and that passion for, as they put it, winning souls. And, you know, talking about how our Lord did that. We talk. This is going to be in the Roadmap Roundup tomorrow, by the way. Fair warning. I'm just going to, you know, tell you this right now. This idea that it's not our job, first and foremost, to go up to someone and say, do you accept and believe everything that the Holy Catholic Church teaches is true that we've received from our Lord and from our God? Now, if, if you do that and someone says, yes, I do, that's a good day. But perhaps it's not the model that our, our Lord gave us for evangelization, that, you know, First, you gotta you gotta win the person. You gotta win their heart. And how do you do that? Well, that was a whole lengthy discussion that we don't have time for right now. What we do have time for right now, aside from being fired up, aside from being grateful, we got time for all those things too. We have time for Mike Roberts in today's weather. So let us go now to Mike Roberts in today's weather. Today is the feast day of Saint Lawrence of Brindisi, Doctor of the Church. Born in Naples in the mid-16th century, his baptismal name was Cesare, and he came from a family of merchants. But his father and mother, William and Elizabeth Russo, both died when he was still a boy. Cesare was raised by his uncle and then, at a very young age, attended St. Mark's College in Venice. Afterwards, he continued his education at the University of Padua, where he joined the Capuchins, taking the name Lawrence. At the time, he was just 16 years old. A brilliant student, he had a special gift for languages and could speak at least seven of them fluently. This gift allowed Lawrence to study the Bible in its original text. In addition to his intellectual gifts, Lawrence was known for his kindness. He was as well an outstanding administrator and in 1602 was elected as Minister General of the Capuchins, a position he used to expand the order into the far corners of the known world. Eventually, Lawrence became a papal emissary. On a trip to Spain to see the king, he became very ill and died in Lisbon in 1619. Over 300 years later, in 1956, the Capuchins published the vast writings of Lawrence into a 15-volume set. Eleven of the volumes were his sermons. Canonized in 1881 by Pope Leo XIII, Lawrence was made a doctor of the church 
by Pope St. John the Twenty Third in 1959. St. Lawrence of Brindisi, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed Wednesday. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. Once again, we're talking with Doug Barry here on Covenant Network about the discipline needed to pray the rosary, to remove the distractions, to make a place conducive to praying the rosary, which really can be any place. It's a lot of hard work we've been talking about, but today Doug's going to share with us the benefits of all of this hard work. So, Doug, it's great to be with you again today. I can't wait to hear about the benefits of praying the rosary. Yeah, good to be with you too, Adam. Um, and I really am appreciative to have the chance to talk about this. This is one of the things I hope when I stand before God one day, as we all will, and no one knows when, we don't know the moment that our life will be requested of us, we'll give an account for everything. And if there's anything everybody out there want to be thinking about, um, boy, we're talking about the Blessed Mother and we're encouraging the prayer of the rosary. That helps. That's a big one right there. We think about what it says in the in the uh, in the scriptures about when you bring somebody back from the error of their ways, you cover a multitude of your own of your own sins and you save your own soul. Let's encourage the rosary because the benefits are enormous and that helps save souls and that that bodes well with God when we die. So let's just get that in mind right there. Yeah, the promises. The Blessed Mother says that there are fifteen promises. In fact, she gave us when we pray the rosary promises of some sort of basically, I'm going to say reward, but some sort of response from Our Lady. You can never outdo God in generosity. Now, we know this in the scriptures where it talks about when, you know, you give, God gives back a hundredfold, overflowing into the creases of your clothing and so forth. I mean, all these different references. When God rewards for our effort to try to be good, to try to respond to his grace and cooperate with his grace, it's phenomenal. Well, the rosary is no different. So 15 promises, you know, we're, we're told that we're going to be given certain graces. We're told we're going to grow in holiness. We're told that she will be with us. We're, I won't go through all the 15, but these are just a few of them. We're told that, that, that she will be there to help our, in our problems of life. She's going to be there for us. She'll console us in some way, strengthen us in some way. Now, that's a tough one, I'll say, because as much as I've prayed the rosary over the years, and I haven't done it 100% faithfully every day, I have a lot for years, thank God, you know, motivation of our Blessed Mother and help of God's grace. But but I will say this, there are many times you're going through a suffering moment, and I've had some pretty difficult moments, some health issues, financial issues, running a nonprofit ministry, you get that after 30-some years. You know, when you go through these moments, you, you buckle down with that rosary, and you're begging for these promises of the rosary, these responses of Our Lady to be there. And sometimes people think, okay, I'm going to pray the rosary, I'm going to do this for a while, and then the bank account's going to grow. Well, that might not be the way she does it. Our Lady might not intercede in that way. Okay, maybe it's you're praying the rosary for a health issue, for a healing, and the healing doesn't occur. Okay, then people get discouraged and they, they bail out sometimes on the prayer in connection with God. Well, Our Lady might not be interceding in that way. There might be something else going on that's much deeper, much bigger, much more profound than we can even recognize at the moment. So having confidence is key to recognizing that the benefits of praying the rosary, the promises in particular at this moment we're talking about, are going to happen in some way. Our prayer should always result in one way, shape, or form to your will be done, Lord, not mine. The three times our Lord cries out that very prayer in the garden when he asks if the cup can pass, always your will be done, not mine. So I pray the rosary, I ask for healing but your will be done, not mine, Lord. Maybe you'll just give me the grace and strength to endure. I pray for financial help. 
your will be done. Maybe it's something different. Maybe I've got to change jobs, move across the country, something else. Our lady, though, will respond in those promises. So the promises are part of it. Another big response of praying the rosary, and we've talked about this briefly in in a previous uh, bit on this, is there is physical healing that can occur even in the brain. I think we mentioned this a couple of days ago. When we pray the rosary, we put ourselves in a certain state of calm, and there's a physical response to that. So the gift of even finding peace in the body, anxiety can be washed away at those moments, and the body can actually rejuvenate. When Jesus tells his disciples over and over in scripture, go off and retreat into prayer. And then what's he do? He shows them what that looks like because he prays throughout the night several times. We see this in the gospels. He prays throughout the night. So going off in retreat of prayer does something not only with the relationship spiritually with God, but even physically, it changes our makeup in a good, positive way. So the benefits of praying the rosary spiritually and physically are very well documented. The promises of our Blessed Mother are very clear. The the response even to the brain and washing away of anxiety and bringing calm is very much there. I know I'll say this last point though, Adam, there are people out there, young parents who are saying, Doug, I don't know what it was like praying the rosary when your kids were young, but there's no peace in my house when we're trying to get our kids to pray the rosary when they're young. I remember those days. I have five kids. They're all grown now out of the house, but I remember they're all about two years apart as the average Catholic family seems to go. And I had these kids there and it's not always incredibly peaceful. So you find ways to work with that. You get the kids involved. They turn the pictures of the rosary cards or they're leading the decades or, or they're doing different things. And sometimes you just got to let them crawl around the floor. Okay, so that you're not trying to beat something into a, into a square peg, into a round hole. You've got to just work with the situation, maybe break it up a little bit, maybe do a decade here, a decade there. In other words, be clever, be patient, and let those great rewards spiritually and physically run into your lives. They will. You know, I can only say that everything Doug's said so far has been my experience as well. And Doug, as I think about the natural effects of the rosary that I've been able to see that I'm calmer, my stress level's lower, Mm -hmm. I have more time for reflection. I can only imagine what the supernatural effects are that I can't see right now. So this this has been fantastic. And I look forward to tomorrow when we're going to be talking about the saints and the rosary. Act of faith. O my God, I firmly believe that Thou art one God in three divine persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I believe that Thy divine Son became man and died for our sins, and that He shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe these and all the truths which the Holy Catholic Church teaches, because Thou hast revealed them who canst neither deceive nor be deceived. Amen. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. There are certain days, I have to be very honest with you, there are certain days that I am very glad that after we finish the show, we upload it to a podcast version that, by the way, you can find on your favorite podcast app by searching Covenant Network Roadmap to Heaven. The reason I say that is every now and then, and more often than not, there are things that are said on the show that I want to hear again. I want to hear them repeated because I have to process them more, and then I want to share them with good Catholic friends who would also be interested. I say all of this because today is one of those days because Father Wade Menezes is with us. Father, it is so good to have you with us this morning. 
Thanks, Adam. It's always good to be back with you. Whether it's here on Roadmap to Heaven or when we tune in to Open Line Tuesday on Catholic Radio, by the way, you can hear that here as well on Tuesday afternoons at 2 p.m. Central Time. You can hear Father Wade on Open Line. You are always a very clear teacher with everything very well thought out and prepared, and I appreciate that. But, Father, I realized in the two years that you have been a regular guest on our show, we've never really gotten into anything controversial. So I thought today I'd have a little fun and ask you a very controversial question, and here it is. Can my wife be a priest? Well, I answer that question as St. Thomas Aquinas would. He would say, semper distingue, always make distinctions, huh? And Holy Mother Church, the Bride of Christ, does teach that there is a baptismal priesthood of all the baptized, which is not a sacrament per se, although it's tied to the gateway sacrament of baptism. Uh, We call baptism the gateway sacrament because ordinarily speaking, it's the first sacrament to be received before the other six can be received. So the baptismal priesthood, while not a sacrament in and of itself, it is tied to the gateway sacrament of baptism. But the ministerial priesthood, the second and last type of priesthood there is in our One Holy Catholic and Apostolic Faiths doctrine, is a sacrament per se, and it's known as the sacrament of holy orders. And so we talk about these two priesthoods. Uh, for example, First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people. So Peter's talking about everyone there. He's talking about those who are baptized, the singles, the marrieds, the widows, the presbyters, the deacons. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, that you may declare the wonderful deeds of him who called you out of darkness into his own marvelous light, the light of Christ, right? And then how about these words at Mass that we hear every single Mass we attend during the offertory, Adam? The pre-celebrant says, pray, brethren, meaning everyone in the pews, all the congregants, pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Almighty Father. Now, who can offer a sacrifice per se but a priest? So when the celebrant in his ministerial priesthood, as celebrant of that particular Mass, turns and says that to the congregation, again, pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Almighty Father. He's referring to everyone in the pew making a sacrifice at that particular Mass through their baptismal priesthood. Men, women, singles, marrieds, you got it. Everyone, okay? So this is the semper distingue, the always make distinctions of St. Thomas Aquinas regarding the baptismal priesthood and the ministerial priesthood. And I'll wrap it up with this, and and then hear some comment back from you. You know, in Catholic theology then, all the baptized faithful participate in the one priesthood of Jesus Christ in either or both of two ways. The baptismal priesthood, also referred to as the common priesthood of all the faithful, or the common priesthood of all the baptized and which is received through the sacrament of baptism, as I've already stated, and the ministerial priesthood, also called the hierarchical priesthood, which is received through the sacrament of holy orders and which is reserved to men alone. So I share in both priesthoods, Adam, right? The baptismal priesthood as a baptized Christian man, but I'm also sharing in the ministerial priesthood, the sacrament of holy orders, which you, Adam, do not. 
Unless one day you become a deacon, of course. <laughs> and that's why we call the ministerial priesthood a hierarchical priesthood, because it's the diaconate, the presbyterate, meaning the priests, and the episcopate, meaning the bishops. All right. Now, friends, you may have caught on that my first question was a bit of a setup job, and not a gotcha setup, but more of setting up a, a tee shot or, or lobbing a softball over home plate for Father to knock out of the park here. You'd be right in that, because this comes from a conversation Father Wade and I had during the month of May when we were both at the St. Louis Marion Conference. And so, Father, this is a concept that you know we all should know, that by virtue of our baptism, we share in that office priest, prophet, and king that our Lord confers on you as well. We all share in this, but today we're talking about our baptismal priesthood. And maybe we have some listeners out there who are saying, okay, I'm following you, but what does this mean for me? I mean, I understand Father's an ordained priest. I have a very good idea of what he does, but what does this mean for me? So I'd like to turn it right back to you with that question. How do we live out our baptismal priesthood in our daily Catholic living. Well, you just gave an allusion to it when you talked about the threefold office of Jesus Christ as priest, one who sacrifices, prophet, one who foretells the truth, capital T, as revealed by God himself, and king, sharing in the kingship of Christ as his followers. We are the members of the body. He is the head, right? And as the Son, the only begotten Son of the Eternal Father, all is offered to the Father through the Son in the Holy Spirit. So these two priesthoods, baptismal and ministerial, both share in the threefold office of priest, prophet, and king. And so whether one be single again or, or married or a consecrated religious priest, brother, sister, whether one be a widow or a widower, all are called to enter into this baptismal priesthood that you're asking me to focus on right now through what's called the sacramental economy of the church. Each one of the seven sacraments, Adam, effects, that's with an E, not an A, each of the seven sacraments effects a particular grace that the other six do not, okay? There's the three sacraments of initiation, baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist. There are the two sacraments of vocation and mission, matrimony and holy orders. And then there's the two sacraments of healing, confession and anointing of the sick. We are called to enter into this sacramental economy through our priesthoods to receive the abundance of graces that each sacrament affords us, each one according to his or her own state in life and vocation, to partake thereby in the threefold office of Christ as priest, prophet, and king. So again, we can come to Mass with a particular willed intention to offer as a sacrifice at that particular Mass in union with the pre-celebrant's primary intention for that Mass. What's the whole purpose? I ask this rhetorically. What's the whole purpose of coming to Mass a few minutes early before Mass begins? Well, yeah, okay, recollection in the pew, maybe make an act of contrition to prepare for Mass, prepare for the penitential rite at Mass at the beginning of Mass, which will wipe away all venial sins that may be on our souls at that moment. But it's also important to come to Mass a little early to make a particular willed intention, which becomes your sacrifice, to offer with the priest celebrant's primary sacrifice, that you offer with the priest through your baptismal priesthood, and which he's offering the primary intention for the Mass through his ministerial priesthood. 
And then how beautiful is it after the penitential rite at Mass, the priest says, let us pray, and then there's a pause. And right after that pause, he prays what's called the collect prayer, also known as the opening prayer of the Mass. But the official name of that prayer is the collect prayer. So we have the sign of the cross, the greeting, the penitential rite, say the confidior, I confess to Almighty God, or the three-time trope, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. Then after that penitential rite, he says, let us pray. We'll have the Gloria after the penitential rite if it's a, a solemnity, like a Sunday. Every Sunday is a solemnity. And then right after that penitential rite, whether there is a Gloria following it or not, the priest says, let us pray, and he pauses. During that pause, thus the priest celebrant is making a particular willed intention by way of a firm and deliberate act of the will to collect. This is why it's called the collect prayer. To collect all of the intentions that have been brought to that particular Mass. The congregants' intentions, known as their sacrifices through their baptismal priesthood, and the celebrant's own primary intention for that particular Mass as the celebrant through his ministerial priesthood. And then right after that pause, he goes into the orans position, O-R-A-N-S. It's the gerundive in the Latin, the English word praying, P-R-A-Y-I-N-G. He goes into the orans position, the, the praying position, which is both arms up, palms upward as well, elbows not fully extended, but elbows still bent, with each arm and open palm open to each side of him, which shows that he just what? That he just collected. Pretend you're taking your arms and your open palms across your tabletop of your kitchen table and you're collecting all your cards that you just played. Maybe you just played a card game with some relatives on Thanksgiving Day or Christmas Day for some family recreation and that particular hand is all done. You're now collecting all those cards with your open palms across the table. When the, when the priest goes into the Oron's position, there at his chair or at the altar, he can be at either location for the opening rites of the Mass, the chair or the altar. Being in that Oron's position, that praying position, shows that he just indeed collected all of those intentions. And now he offers them to the Father, through the Son, in the Holy Spirit, which is the formulary, Adam, that the collect prayer is always, always, always oriented toward. The collect prayer is always oriented to the Father, through the Son, in the Holy Spirit. The Latin phrases are ad, per, and in. Ad, to, A-D, A-D in the Latin means to. Per, P-E-R, means through. And in, I-N, means in. To the Father, through the Son, in the Holy Spirit. Huh? Now there's another point that needs to be made here, because this is so beautiful and the distinctions are so, so clear. Unfortunately, sometimes, Adam, these two distinct participations in Christ's one priesthood often become convoluted. For example, at the parish level, duties strictly and properly intended for the priest are sometimes assumed by the laity, and those strictly intended for the laity are often assumed by the priest. And so this blurring of participatory distinction can lead to those phenomena referred to as, quote, the clericalization of the laity— and the laicization of the clergy, something that now St. John Paul II said we have to be very, very careful about, that it doesn't happen, right? 
So again, the, the ministerial or, or hierarchical priesthood, the sacrament of holy orders, of bishops, priests, and deacons, and the common priesthood of all the faithful, the baptismal priesthood of all the faithful, participate each in its own way in the one priesthood of Christ the head, and we are all the members. While being ordered one to another, one priesthood to the other, they do differ essentially, meaning in their very essence. In what sense? Well, while the common priesthood of the faithful is exercised by the unfolding of baptismal grace, the ministerial priesthood is at the service of the common priesthood itself. It is directed at, we say, it is directed at the unfolding of the baptismal grace. I'm going to repeat that. That's very, very important. huh? While being ordered one to another, these two priesthoods, the ministerial priesthood and the baptismal priesthood, they do differ essentially, the Catechism teaches us, meaning in their very essence. How is that, or in what sense do they differ essentially? Well, while the common priesthood of the faithful is exercised by the unfolding of baptismal grace, the ministerial priesthood is at the service of the common priesthood in that it is directed at the unfolding of baptismal grace of all Christians. So as Catholics, then, we hold that the ministerial priesthood, through the power of the laying on of hands from a bishop, who is a direct descendant of the apostles, is a means by which Christ unceasingly builds up and leads his church, to quote Catechism number 1547, in its common priesthood of all the faithful. This is why the ministerial priesthood has its own sacrament, that of holy orders. And through the sacraments of baptism and confirmation, the faithful exercise their common baptismal priesthood, each according to his or her own vocation through their participation in Christ's own mission as priest, prophet, and king. And the Catechism of the Catholic Church, Numbers 897 and 901 through 911, 901 through 911 especially, explain this fully. This is something that the ministerial priesthood does as well in its own proper way. Indeed, what is a gift by the Church has in these two priesthoods a blessing for all. It is as a priest that one offers sacrifice to Almighty God. This is precisely why the laity are able to have these words addressed to them again by the Salabrin at each and every Mass when he says, quote, pray, brothers and sisters, or, or pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Well, Father, this has been wonderful. I do have one more question I want to ask you, but I, I think just to allow my brain to catch up, we're going to pause here for a very quick break, and then we're going to come back. So, friends, don't go anywhere. Stay tuned, and we will be back with you in just a few moments. Daily Offering God the Father, I thank Thee for creating me. God the Son, I thank Thee for redeeming me. God the Holy Spirit, I thank Thee for sanctifying me. Infuse into my thoughts, words, and actions Thy grace so that they may be supernaturally pleasing to thee and supernaturally rewarding to me forever. O blessed Trinity, abundantly assist me in becoming that which thou intended me to become when thou created me. For in thy perfection I will give thee the glory thou desirest of me, and in that perfection I will find my greatest joy in heaven. Amen. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. If you are just joining us, we're talking with Father Wade Menezes of the Fathers of Mercy this morning about the differences between our, as baptized Catholics, as baptized Christians, our baptismal priesthood and fathers 
ordained ministerial priesthood. And I'll just say this. As always, with Father Wade, I'm grateful to have you on the show, Father. If you're driving right now and you're saying this is a lot to process, don't worry about it because we've got this on the podcast later today. You'll be able to check the whole thing out, listen to it again, and I guarantee you every time you listen to it, you're going to pick up on something new. So, Father, before the break, you were giving us some wonderful illustrations of this in the Mass. And I can only imagine, knowing you how I do now, after two years of doing interviews, you've got some scripture quotes for us. So first, let's get to those, and then I have a question. Yeah, well, I began by quoting First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 9, what I call the first papal encyclical, because that's exactly what it is. I started this segment by quoting that, First Peter 2, 9, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people that you may declare the wonderful deeds of him who called you out of darkness into his own marvelous light. Peter's addressing that to all members of the Christian faithful. Well, just a few verses earlier in 1 Peter 2, verses 4 through 5, he says this, Come all to the Lord, a living stone, rejected by men, but approved nonetheless and precious in God's eyes. You too are a living stone, built as an edifice of spirit into a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Again, you too are a living stone built as an edifice of spirit into a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Again, he's addressing this to all the members of the Christian faithful, singles, marrieds, the deacons, the presbyters, the the, the elders, the bishops. So, This is meant for everybody, for them to know they can offer spiritual sacrifices pleasing to the Lord our God. And Revelations 1, verse 6, the book of the Apocalypse, the last book of the Bible, 1, 6, quote, He made us a kingdom of priests to God and Father. He made of us a kingdom of priests to his God and Father. Therefore, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So, Adam, we can offer pleasing sacrifices to God the Almighty Father, and we already learned earlier in the segment that we offer to God the Father through the Son and the Holy Spirit. So the husband and father like yourself, your faithfulness to your daily duty, your faithfulness to your marriage relationship and covenant with your bride, your wife of however many years, your relationship with your children, your sons, your daughters, your prayer, your work, your recreation, and even your rest, even your sleep at night, which is a subset of recreation, can be offered as a pleasing sacrifice to God, our Almighty Father, through the Son and the Holy Spirit. Why? Because you're being faithful to your daily duty. You are living a balanced life, striving to become that best version of yourself. How about me as a member of the Fathers of Mercy, an active itinerant missionary preaching order? preaching parish missions, retreats, devotions, conferences, and talks throughout the United States, Canada, and Australia. My faithfulness to daily duty, working on new talks, working on homilies, my weekly radio show on EWTN Global Catholic Radio, Open Line Tuesday, my daily prayer when I'm here at the main general at house at the Fathers of Mercy and joining my community for our communal chapel prayer times in morning and evening, which the evening one doubles as a Eucharistic Holy Hour with the Eucharist exposed, being faithful to my daily orarium, Latin for schedule, my daily schedule here at the house when I'm here at the main general at house at the Fathers of Mercy in Auburn, Kentucky. How about the college student being faithful to his studies? If he's courting a a young woman, how about practicing chaste courtship? Why? Because he knows his baptism and his confirmation calls him to practice chaste courtship precisely because he's still single. 
He doesn't get to partake of the covenant conjugal union yet because he's not in a covenant union yet through the sacrament of matrimony. So he practices chaste courtship. This is how we offer a pleasing sacrifice to God, the Almighty Father. How about offering suffrages for your deceased loved ones? Or offering suffrages like a rosary or a chaplet or having a mass set for a deceased person that you do not know, like the most forgotten soul in purgatory. Like we pray for the souls in a special way throughout the month of November, the month of the holy souls, also known as, as the members of the church penitent or the members of the church suffering. So there's so many ways, Adam, that this 1 Peter 2, verses 4 through 5 becomes incarnated in the flesh, in the meat, by all of us through our baptismal priesthood. You too are a living stone built as an edifice of spirit into a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And again, why is that? Because he made of us a kingdom of priests to his God and Father. And so to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Again, to quote 1 Peter 2, verses 4 through 5, and Revelations 1, 6. Well, see, Father, I should have known that St. Peter was going to beat me to the punch here, and he already addressed the question I was going to ask, and then you expounded on it. How do we live this outside of our attendance at Mass? So I think the moral of the story, friends, is whether we're making sprockets or cogs or we work in radio or we're husbands, wives, fathers, daughters, sons, aunts, uncles, grandparents, singles, religious, priests, bishops, whatever our calling in life, we offer everything we do as a pleasing sacrifice to the Father through the Son in unity with the Holy Spirit. So, Father, this has been a lot to digest today, but it's been wonderful because we are all called to this, and we need to know these things. So I wonder, you know, we need to put a capstone on this. We need to to close out this segment. How would you like to do that before we pray? I'd like to give a great quote by St. Peter Chrysologus, and I'd like to invite your listeners to get a, a group together, maybe a group of married couples in one home one evening, or a group of men in the parish hall, or a group of young people, Catholic college students getting together and listening to this podcast to understand more fully and more greatly the the greatness of their baptismal priesthood and how they're called to live their baptismal priesthood in the midst of the modern world. And St. Peter Chrysologus gives us this very truth when he says the following. He says, listen now to what the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, what to do, when he says, quote, I appeal to you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God, the Almighty Father, end quote, Romans 12, verse 1. By this exhortation of Paul's, St. Peter Chrysologus says, Paul has raised all men to priestly status, everyone to priestly status. How marvelous, then, is the priesthood of the Christian, for he is both the victim that is offered on his own behalf and the priest who makes the offering. He does not need to go beyond himself to seek what he is to immolate to God. He simply models Christ in his life. With himself and in himself, he brings the sacrifice he is to offer to God for himself. The victim remains and the priest remains, always one and the same, just like Christ. Immolated, the victim still lives. The priest who immolates cannot kill. Truly, it is an amazing sacrifice in which a body is offered without being slain, and blood is offered without being shed. Let your heart be an altar then, modeling Christ, who did die for us. Then, with full confidence in God, present your body for sacrifice. God desires now not death, but faith through his Son, Jesus Christ. God thirsts not for blood, 
but for self-surrender. God is appeased now, not by slaughter, but by the offering of your free will to unite your life to his. And remember, Adam, each and every Mass we attend is the one sacrifice of Christ from Calvary offered again in an unbloody manner. It's making present again the one sacrifice of Jesus Christ on that one first Good Friday that we call Good Friday. It's offered again, okay, made present again in an unbloody manner. And that's what St. Peter Chrysologus is trying to call us here. We go to Mass as, as a holy death obligation every week, and re we live that remaining 167 hours of that week by making our lives a pleasing sacrifice to God, the Almighty Father. You know, Father, before we close in prayer, I just want to say, as you were sharing that quote with us, one thing that particularly stands out was towards the end, the offering of your free will to your unite your life to his. And I was thinking about how I've explained this with my children, and this is a question I've wrestled with, is, you know, sometimes I go to Mass and I just don't seem to get anything out of it. But just the very act of saying, even though I'm not – that's a whole other discussion we could have, because even when we don't feel it, we are getting a lot out of our participation in Holy Mass. But even on those days where maybe we're not motivated to go, the very act of our will to get up out of bed, to dress ourselves fittingly, and to get to church to go to Holy Mass is a pleasing offering to God because it's an act of that free will. And that's right. That's a beautiful thing we should not underestimate. Father, this has been wonderful. Could I ask you to close our time together with a prayer? Absolutely, Adam. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon all of our covenant network and roadmap to heaven listeners and remain with each and every one of you this day and always, St. Joseph, Terror of Demons. Pray for us. Friends, this has been a wonderful opportunity to talk with Father Wade Menezes of the Fathers of Mercy. Be sure to visit fathersofmercy.org to learn more about the order and what they do and to find more great resources from Father and his brother priests. We are going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. We will be back. Don't go anywhere. The Holy Face O blessed face of my kind Savior, by the tender love and piercing sorrow of Our Lady as she beheld you in your cruel passion. Grant us to share in this intense sorrow and love so as to fulfill the holy will of God to the utmost of our ability. Amen. It's time for the Daily Dose of Encouragement on this Thursday. And this week, all of our encouragements have been dedicated to children and this week dedicated to children. And Patty Schneier's here with another encouragement for us. So, Patty, take it away. Well, we're talking about just resources to have. And one of the, my favorites was the Hide Them in Your Heart CDs by Steve Green. And again, you can download them as well. And, and you can stream them on your phone and have them for your kids if that's the way you listen to music. But this is funny. The, the song that I wanted to share today, I literally today needed to quote this scripture for a friend who is having a hard time trusting in God's plan. And I referred back to this song, and I knew right away it's Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, because the song goes, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. I learned that from a kid's song, Hide Him in Your Heart, Steve Green, in my car with my kids. So again, 
These are ways to memorize scripture. But my next encouragement for parents is this. One of the best books was given to me when my child was born, my oldest son, John, when he was born, and it was the Beginner's Bible. My best friend gave us that gift, and we read the Beginner's Bible to our children as bedtime stories almost every night. They learned all the important biblical stories from a very, very early age from that beginner's Bible. Our beginner's Bible, the back is torn, the pages, the spine. It was so used. So what I want to say to all parents is get a children's Bible, the beginner's Bible when they're very young. They can start to understand at a very young age. But don't let it sit on the shelf. Read it. Read it. Read it with your kids. Get up on the couch with them. Have them get on your lap and just read them one or two stories. It's such an investment in your child's faith journey. Get a beginner's Bible. It reminds me of my friend Mike, who's already on his fifth copy of St. Faustina's Diary. Why? Because he uses it constantly. And you can always get a new book. You can't get back the time you could have spent reading it to your children. So, Patty, this has been a wonderful encouragement for us. All right, we have a uh, few announcements this morning that people have sent in asking us if we could share these on our airwaves, and I'm happy to do so. So uh, first and foremost, on today is Thursday the 21st, so tomorrow evening, July 22nd. For those of you in the West St. Louis County area, there is going to be a solemn holy hour for holy vocations to the priesthood and religious life at Ascension Parish in the main church from 7 to 8 p.m., there'll be Exposition of the Most Blessed Sacrament, Adoration, and Benediction. Father Kent Pullman will be leading all in prayer. So that is number one. Number two, let's see here. Coming up soon, the uh, Father William Scheid players present their annual musical July 22nd, so Friday, and Saturday, July 23rd at 7.30 p.m., and July 24th at 2 p.m., um, the performances will be taking place at Narinx Hall. And for more on that, just uh, look up Father William. Uh, actually, you can just go to facebook.com slash at – I don't even know how this works with the slash. But it's the Father William Scheid Players. So uh, just look them up, Father William Scheid Players. If you're in the St. Louis area, you want to see that. And then for those of you in the Midwest who, uh, you know, perhaps the Je- Jesuits of the Midwestern province have been – a part of your life. I think back to the uh, many Jesuits that I had as teachers back at St. Louis University High School. They are going to be celebrating the culmination of the year of St. Ignatius of Loyola with 11 a.m. Mass at the Shrine of St. Joseph on July 31st. It commemorates both the 400th year uh, anniversary of the canonization of St. Ignatius as well as the 500. 500th anniversary of his conversion and eventually the founding of the Society of Jesus. Um, it'll be beautiful music. Father Sawalski of St. Louis University will be the main celebrant and homilist. If you have something you'd like us to share with our listeners, by all means, uh, feel free to contact us here at the station. We are happy to do so when we are able to do so. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's what's going on around town. I would like to say that while we're stopping to talk about St. Ignatius of Loyola, I was sharing last night. In fact, I told you at the top of the show about a wonderful conversation I had. Um, I cannot say this enough. Something that's been a game changer in my prayer life, something that has been wonderful for me, is that midday examine. You know, it's 
For those who know me well, it's no secret that I struggle with just incessant wanting of things. I got to have that guitar. I got to have that musical instrument. I got to have that car. You know, now cars are expensive, so luckily I get checked there. But guitars, eh, I guess that adds up over time. But I probably have more guitars than I should, right? I want this. I want this. I want this. People say, "Well, do you need it?" No. Well, I want to need it. I I, I want to need it, right? Uh, so can I get it? Can I get it? Can I get it? Over the last two years, praying this midday exam, and where again for me it's a very simple adaptation of it at lunchtime ish midday, I stop and I think, what's one thing I'm grateful for today? One concrete thing I am grateful for today. For those of you that like frozen custard, maybe it is a concrete that you're grateful for today. But what's one concrete thing that I'm grateful for today? And then take some time in my midday prayer, whether it's with my meal prayer, whether it's my prayer after meals, whether it's with the Angelus, to say, Lord, God. Thank you for this. Holy Spirit, thank you for this inspiration today. Thank you for this text message that I got. Thank you for this wonderful phone call I got from the doctor's office saying that everything came back clear. Thank you for the way my my uh, kid gave me a hug and a kiss as I was walking out the door this morning and said, I love you, Daddy. You know, it could be simple. It could be profound. But find one thing and say thank you. And then look at one area of your life where you're not on the right track of the day and ask God for the grace to do better. Before, I used to throw in the towel all the time. What's the point? I've already the, the day's already gone off the rails. Now, midday, we can put the day back on the rails with the help of God and his grace. And by having that attitude of gratitude, to use the cliche, I find myself wanting less and less and being very happy with what I have and actually finding myself giving a lot more away because I don't need it. I don't need it. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Tomorrow we'll uh, wrap up with Doug Barry on our rosary tips. Dan Vonderhaar is going to be with us for a little roadmap roundup, and uh, I want to thank Doug and Father Wade Menezes for being with us on the show today. And I look forward to being with you tomorrow. So remember, what's one thing you're grateful for at midday? What's one area where you need God's grace? And as always, I'm Adam Wright. You've been listening to Covenant Network's Roadmap to Heaven. Pray your rosary today.